Hey guys, welcome back to the Swish Waterlad podcast. Man, it has been a busy week. Everything's ramping up right now. Uh, Bunnings Cup starting this weekend, so that's come around really quick. And my time is very limited right now, so I haven't got a new lad on the podcast. And a lot of you would have read that even next year is going to be even busier for me. Um, Crusaders assistant coach next season, uh, pretty crazy. But I don't know what that actually means for the podcast. I had about a thousand messages this week asking what does that mean for what lads so not exactly sure right now but at some point throughout the season I will update you all and um, yeah when I know I'll let you guys know through through this platform but if it did make you sad that what lad might not be around next year well here's your chance to support the podcast I guess go get yourself some what lad merch still got a little bit of that left um, go support all the sponsors get yourself a swish get some pure sports CBD some Pomeroy's what lad coffee Go buy an O Studio franchise. Jeez, how good would that be? And yeah, it helps out massively. Um, support the sponsors who support me. Um, keeps this podcast humming and growing and hopefully keep it staying on. So so yeah, go get amongst that. But also massive shout out to Swish for partnering with Waterlad, offering listeners $15 off your first order um, with Swish if you use the code Waterlad. Such a rewarding platform. Is up to 70% of the proceeds go to Kiwi Kids Charities. Uh, such a good cause. So so stoked to be working with this company who are doing such amazing things in that space. Um, so go get yourself a swish or you made a swish and um, all you have to do is click the link in the description. But yeah, like I said, I haven't got a lad on this weekend, but I did jump on the Everyday with Garage Gym New Zealand podcast and I thought it was a bloody good yarn, um, really well hosted, some really good questions, insight into the podcast um, coaching, a little bit about my career as well. So if you're keen to hear a little bit more about me, this is the episode for you. If not, go back to the archives, find one of the legends and go listen to that. But anyway, always appreciate the support. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey team, welcome back to Garishim NZ for episode 106. And um, really looking forward to this one, man. I've listened to a lot of this um, geezer's podcast. It's James Marshall. Um, who is the curator behind What uh, Lad podcast, but also ex-footy player, played for like a thousand teams, um, a coach, and we can talk about that later on. But, um, but yeah, welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to Garrish Gym NZ. Mate, thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome. Loving your work, loving what you're doing um, with your stuff. So um, appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, no, oh man, I, I appreciate you coming on, brother, you know, because I've, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts and you've spoken to, I guess, you want to like give us a little bit of um, a background in regards to what a lad podcast is actually about, because there's a lot of people that might know anything about rugby, mm. but I guess what's the, what was the context and the and behind it and how it was um, born? I, I sort of got a little bit frustrated with hearing you know, what guys were like in the media. And um, I knew, obviously, knew a lot of these guys in the changing rooms and all, like, really funny lads or cool stories and things like that. But you never really get that insight when they're talking to the media. It's um, usually pretty straight up and down. Uh, there's a, I think there's not that much trust between media and players in the game. I think it is growing a little bit, but um, especially back when I started, I felt like there was real negativity towards media. So um, that was basically the reason why I wanted to start it, give guys a um, platform to, I guess, share their stories comfortably or um, share their personality, give the fans an insight into what these guys are really like because, like you say, there's some, some real characters out there, um, inspiring stories. Um, so, mate, I'm, I'm loving it. Mate, yeah, champion. Uh, and that, 
there is really inspiring stories, but lots of insights, right, into individuals' lives that you would never, ever hear about and you would never know about. And then um, it's fantastic you've been able to, you know, reach out and get them on board to share some of that, those insights and some of their learnings and lessons, right, are not, not only um, transferable into, say, an next rugby player who's transitioning into the next phase of their life, but for anyone, mm. And I guess a little bit about you, man. Let's, let's we'll go back to the beginning and and um, James Marshall, the the boy from Nelson. And I mean, how did it all begin for you? And I mean, in 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 your sort of like you know you've you've played professional footy and that, but you know when you started, bro, did you ever think you would end up playing professional code? Oh no, nah, mate, no no way and how eh? Like oh, I'm actually I was actually born in Auckland, so we moved down to yeah. Nelson when I was eight years old. Um, family relocated and mate, I was just always obsessed with rugby like um, you know I'd always watch all the rugby shows read any rugby magazines or things like that I just loved the game I'd watch any game I could uh, free time I'd be playing one-on-one in the backyard with my brother um, so mate, I just loved the sport and I sort of had a dream to be a professional rugby player or make a living out of rugby that was that was the goal I remember writing down make a living out of rugby didn't think I'd quite get to the level that I did get to but um, mate, it's been it's been a hell of a journey. Like um, so many experiences, um, like you mentioned, thousands of teams, thousands of um, people that I've met throughout the throughout the journey, and it's been um, yeah, it's been pretty been pretty awesome. Yeah, it's um because I think I say like people in New Zealand, right? Rugby's the sport, right? And if you're a lad, right, you're gonna mm-hmm. and I guess a young lady these days because they can crack it now and. Yeah. Um, you know, you've always got that sort of dream and that, okay, I'm going to play for my local province and then I want to, like, I want to try and crack a super and then, you know, move from there. But sometimes players don't get there, right? And, um, you know, in, in the position that you've been in, I mean, you would have seen a, a lot of really good footy players not actually make it. And some of them are from, like, their personal reasons mm. or they're just their own mindset and attitude towards it or... They're just not, you know, um, I guess to use a pet Cowan term, right, from from the podcast, a tick, right? Yeah. Not, you're just not getting a tick from the people that are high above you selecting teams. I mean, how how would you, as a player who's kind of made it and, and played for a number of quality teams? So, I mean, I'm interested in sort of looking at that side of it because, you you know, you're a player that's made it. Yeah. But you'll probably know that haven't. Yeah. That should have. You know? So many mate, so many and so many guys, so much more talented than I ever was. Like I was not talented at all, but like you said, I made some sacrifices at a pretty young age because I was really committed to it. I really wanted to see how far I could get and um, that was sort of uh, my test, I guess. I wanted to see how far I could get in the game and like I said, make a living out of it. But I guess it comes down to the individual. There's so many different reasons why guys don't make it. There's, I mean, so many talented players in New Zealand, like... Um, yeah. Seeing it now, coaching, seeing seeing it throughout my career, um, I guess the different variables for why they don't make it. Um, some I don't think actually want to make it. Like they're just mm. really gifted, but they're not actually too phased about it. Like um, they're not as committed as some of the guys. And those ones who are committed will always overtake those talented ones who are sort of just in it for some fun. Which which is fair enough. Like um, do what you want to do. Like I, I wouldn't. Um, try and push anyone who didn't want to be a rugby player into being a rugby player. And I feel like a lot of parents have sort of pushed some guys into it and then they get to the point where they're like, 
I don't really want to be a professional rugby player. I just want to do something else. So I think that's one big part of it. And then I think um, the work ethic as well, and uh, that obviously comes to it. If, if you love it, you're going to put that work in naturally. But um, some guys just don't have the work ethic to be able to succeed in the game. Like they, they want to take shortcuts and you get found out pretty quick. I mean, you can get away with it for a little while, but eventually it adds up and, um, yeah, you get found out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and that can be, you know, that's that's easy to lay that right across all aspects of anyone's life, right? Yeah, not just yeah. rugby, like sport, business, yeah. like you say, like yeah. so many crossovers. Oh, man, being a parent, you know, yeah, being a parent and starting a job. Yeah. If you want to succeed, you know, you, you've got to maybe do the extra couple of hours a week in the office or maybe some sacrifices by, you know, by, you know, giving up a Saturday mm. just so that you can work on your, you know, potentially growing a business and stuff like that yeah and i've seen that a lot too i've seen it not only in, in sport but i've seen it in in the professional work scene as well mm. people are quite happy at the level they're at yeah and i think that's fine like if they're really happy that's cool that's fine you know if you're happy with whatever you've achieved right now then that's fine but um what i find really that sort of pulls at my emotions bro is the people that, that especially the ones that are like man they want to achieve more but they don't go and achieve, they don't know how to go and achieve more because they don't want to put that one percent extra in or do an extra, you know, um, twenty minutes or thirty minutes of um, extra training time and either before or after a session. And, and it's hard having conversations with them. And I guess where I'm going to is like coaching, right? How I mean, how do you craft that sort of message with with boys with with players? Mate, it, it's tough. It's tough, and I I don't actually have the answer for that. Like, um, I guess everyone's different, um, so it does depend on the individual. Depends on their background. Some guys are motivated by different things, you know. So, I think it is a case by case situation, and there's no real rule that you can just throw over every rugby player and hey, you tell them this, um, and they're gonna click out of this thing, mate. I've yeah, I've I'm I'm working with so many of these guys at the moment through like the Tasman Academy and stuff, and they all want to be professional rugby players, but um, some of them are doing a better job of it than others, and um, it's I guess it's my job to try and make all of them mm. get there, but mate, it, it does it is pretty hard, and I yeah, if I knew the answer, um, we'd have a lot of a lot more All Blacks coming out of Tasman in the next few years. Mate, you have a few already, don't you? Mate, <laughs> the club is like churning out quality players. Yeah, I can't uh, claim that. I can't claim those ones. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's churning them out. Um, and yeah, that's the, you know you can see that in life and business, and that's the same thing. Like people that want to, you know, um, enhance their craft in the workplace. Mm. Um, some are really good at doing it. Some are, and some are not. And, you, and it's like, how do you uplift and drive them forward? And that is a mystery. You know, right? It comes down to the individual, right? What's going on in their life, and then what answer you can give that person isn't going to be the same answer you can give to someone else mm. because that may not hit the mark or the trigger for them. Yeah. And um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, sociology involved in what you do, and definitely what I do because I manage quite a large team in public health sector. Yeah. Um, so it's you spend pretty much a fair portion of your day coaching and mentoring and trying to uplift people's um, their mindset and so forth. Mate, it, it is um, quite it's quite um, eye opening really because now I've been working at Nelson College as well, and you know you sort of think that these guys have the sort of same upbringing that you did, like. 
and you're like, why are these guys not turning up with the gear and things like this? Like, why is this guy so useless? <laughs> but then you actually hear a bit more about his background and he's like working a job no. for his family at night and he has to get up at five in the morning to go to a morning shift bef- to provide for his family. You're like, holy, like you just have no idea what some of these kids are going through at such a young age. So it was pretty eye-opening hearing some of these stories and I guess it gives you a bit more understanding into why some of these guys really do struggle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and then why some of them that come from adversity also um, succeed? Exactly. Yeah. Like they just they just use that as fuel and um, to to get ahead. You know, um, it's just interesting. Also, oh, you know, we'll dig into to what a lad because I'm really keen on sort of some of the stories that you've been you pulled out from some of the boys on there. But um, just your own transition, bro, because you had a quite um pretty rough injury, are eh? you? Yeah, so I, yeah. Uh, the hip injury finished my career and it was something that I was struggling with my whole career, to be fair. I remember yeah. getting a pretty early like, like full body check when I was young and um, they noticed that my hip was pretty average. So they sort of said that this will prob- I'll probably have struggles with this throughout my career and I'll be lucky to get to you know, early 30s to and, and keep playing. So I always knew that in the back of my mind that my hip was probably going to be the reason it was going to end my career and... Um, it did halfway through my um, career I think I was about 25 or 4 I did have surgery on both of them just to sort of extend it um, got through that and probably the next couple of years after that probably played the best footy of my career and then the back end of it uh, yeah really struggled eh? like um, the yeah last two years of my um, footy career were pretty hard like getting up for trainings um, couldn't really put my left boot on so Things like that were just really straight. Couldn't bend down, really pick up the ball if it was on my left side. All these little things like that. And I was trying to be playing super rugby with some of the best athletes in the world. I was just like, man, what am I actually doing out here? I'm probably probably trying to do this. Um, I probably shouldn't be trying to do this, really. So um, got one more surgery. Oh, it's actually when COVID hit. So it sort of saved me in the end because I was still trying to battle it out. Um, I was at the Canes. I was playing, played a development game was going average as and um, then COVID hit and I uh, went and saw the coaches and said oh this is probably a good time to get the um, to get my surgery and see what happens from there and deep down I knew that that was probably the end of my career it was a it was a 12 month rehab um, so it was a decent time frame and I mean the surgeon was hopeful I'd be able to get back and play but deep down I was I was using this as a 12 month period to sort of set myself up for life after footy and Mate, it was something that was I was always pretty nervous about. Um, had a bit of anxiety around what I was going to do. Like I had heaps of things I wanted to do. Um, I always thought I'd be okay, but it's really hard to prepare for it because you can't do too much until you're actually in it. Like um, you can't really, um, you know, try coaching until you finish playing, pretty much, <laughs> and things like that. So um, had some ideas, and um, during that rehab period, gave them all a crack and. Um, wrote down some goals of where I wanted to be at, and um, yes, mate. Like, I almost feel bad for like how good my transition's gone. Like, I know, I know I shouldn't, but mm-hmm. I talked to so many guys of and how much struggle they had during their transition. But um, for me, it's 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 gone way better than I ever expected. Um, things have things have happened for my. I know I've been lucky, but um, I've also I also feel like I put myself into pretty good situations. Sort of took the financial pressure off me. Um, I think that's a big one. I think that's a 
big reason why a lot of guys struggle. Um, you're making pretty good money at the back end of your rugby career. Um, and for it to just, you see it, you know, turn into one-tenth yeah. of what it was, you're like, the pressure really comes on, especially with three kids and a wife and um, all those responsibilities. So um, I knew I had to take that finan- not financial pressure off me. Um, so I sort of had enough in the bank to... Um, to live off for a year without, you know, needing to make any money. Probably should have been two years um, for any sort of, just in case it didn't go well. But, um, yeah, got through that first year, um, started the podcast, uh, started, um, I was just working with Tasman, so I sort of signed as a player for $1 just to learn as learn off the coaches. So went and sat in the coach's, bo- uh, coach's office, um as much as they did, just sat in the background pretty much. Didn't have too many roles. Gave me a couple of roles throughout the year, but my role was pretty much just watching and learning off the coaches they had. They had Andrew Goodman, who's mm. a wizard, uh, Clark Dermody, Highlanders coach, absolute lad, Shane Christie, all these legends, Gray Cornelius. Um, so I'm, I had an awesome opportunity to learn from some of the best coaches that year, and um, I think that put me in really good stead for the following years um, as I started to progress through the ranks. Mm. That's the... Um and yeah, you're right. You know, you probably hear you hear a lot more of the struggles, right? I mean, someone has to transition out, especially if it's an injury one, mm. and the, the operation in regards to that. And you're right too. You hit it on the head. It's the drop in income um, is, is, is is a big big blow on. And I know for some some boys, it was um, one loss of identity and then loss of structure. Yeah, because they quite like the structure of like hey i've got to be here i've got to be here i've got you know getting told what to do so they're quite dependent mm. on that you know it's funny the rug- rugby was actually an enabler mm. but when it was gone or they, they struggled with that whole what do i do what do i do at 10 o'clock i'm normally doing this i'm doing that yeah um do you think potentially obviously being aware of your you know your hip injuries and stuff like that 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 helped a lot because you were kind of prepared at some stage, there would have it would come to an end, and then that realization inside yourself because that's a real hard thing, right? Yeah, when someone actually you know deep into yourself, you go like, "Shit, I'm done," mm. uh, um, and and being making that decision yourself, you know, was that another rule? You know, it really helped with your transition. I think another reason why my transition was uh, so good was I was pretty over playing rugby to be honest like those last two years like I I wasn't enjoying it I was hating the training I was sore all the time post I mean I was enjoying the games and things like that but other than the game time I I wasn't enjoying the rest of the week like I used to when I was younger so um, the actual decision for me to retire was easy like I I didn't really want to be playing so um, yeah, I think that definitely helped as well. I know a lot of guys just love it. They love the physicality and stuff. It was never a massive part of my game that I that I enjoyed. It was always sort of the the technical, tactical side, and that's where I sort of got the fix from coaching. And, mate, I love the camaraderie, and I know a lot of guys talk about that, like um, they miss that camaraderie uh, as soon as you're not in the sheds. You know, you, you've got like 30 of your best mates that you work with, and then as soon as you're retired, all your mates are gone, and you're like, who, who are my actual mates and who, who can I hang out with now? Because can't really go hang out with the the team anymore because it just you, you're sort of hanging on a wee bit. But I guess I had that as well. So getting into coaching sort of um, helped with that transition. You've still got you got your coaching team. You still can have banter with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you, yeah, 
And the other thing was identity, like you mentioned. I know a lot of guys struggle with that. Like they are, you know, Scott Hamilton, the the rugby player. And then when once that tag's gone, it's like, who is this guy? And I don't know. I, I feel like the podcast might have helped me in that um, aspect. I feel like it felt like mm-hmm. I went from James Marshall, the rugby player, to James Marshall, the podcaster, <laughs> um, almost overnight. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like. It was only like a couple of weeks later where. Um, someone came up to me and like, oh, you're the guy from What a Lad, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's me. Like, uh, <laughs> didn't know I played rugby or anything like that. So that was sort of like a real weird, um, I guess, identity, a new identity for me, which potentially helped. I don't think I would have struggled in that in that case anyway. Uh, I don't feel like that was a big part of it for me, like having an identity as a rugby player. But it may have helped deep down. I'm not too sure, but. Um, it was weird how quickly that identity changed for me as well. Yeah, bro. That's um, yeah, that's mean. And um, it's awesome that someone reckons you after a couple of weeks. That means you're like a powerful influencer, mate. <laughs> you're like killing it, mate. Then <laughs> I definitely like, wasn't. I definitely <laughs> wasn't. I think I just released like uh, it might have been Celicia Rousey's prank, which picked up a little bit of momentum quite quickly. Um, the Jaunty <laughs> prank. So. Um, yeah. they, they had a bit of a following. Uh, still get a lot of messages about the old Jonty prank. So um, I think that might have <laughs> a few fans might have <laughs> fallen in love with it from there. Uh, um, hey, and, and about you know um, what I like, you kind of mentioned, like how that you know potentially you know it was also you know a device that sort of helped you transition. You know, you moved in away from being a footy player, and you got yourself immersed in something else that you're obviously really passionate about. Um, how have you found um, doing what a lad with with the boys? Um, you know, there's some current players, but a lot of you know, a lot of the ones I've listened to are the ones I really enjoy. Are the players that don't play anymore, yeah, and hearing where they came from and 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 how what they're doing in their life and their, and their struggles. But um, I mean, yeah, was that going to be a big part of what a lad for you? Yeah, that was always they were rugby players were obviously always my contact, so. Um, that was it, but yeah. I did always want to get the full journey of it because I you learn so much about what these guys are like from what they were growing up like and um, what their pathway was like, where their struggles were, where their setbacks were, how they overcome those. Every rugby player has you know ups and downs in their career. It's it's always a roller coaster. Nobody's only gone up, so um, it's cool hearing yeah. how what these sort of dips in their career were and how they handled it, how they bounced back and. And like you say about the older players, I mean, I guess they've just got less to lose. I know that there's a few players who come on. I mean, the All Blacks are always the most popular by miles on mm. um, downloads and stuff, but um, they've got to be pretty careful with what they can say. I've still got to send it through yeah. to the All Black media manager. She's got to listen to oh, it before sure. I release it. So there's so many rules around that, whereas, you know, you, you have a yarn with one of the old old battlers, and, <laughs> mate, they can, they can let absolute loose and tell all the yarns that they're comfortable right, right. with so yeah i know what you're saying around that space yeah and it's i'm um, really interesting to hear there you know i think it's um it's, it's cool to hear the lads share their um their mental struggles too mm. not all but, you know a, a number of them and how they struggled uh, mentally well through mental fitness or their own mental health and that struggles and they're around loss of identity regaining that identity moving away from being around a bunch of, you know, lads and and on the lash or on the bash. Um, I found some of them to be really emotional, eh? mm. like really sad because I can relate to a few of them. Like there was like 
quite a few like like quite triggering like yeah i was like shit but yeah i remember when i was playing yeah same thing yeah same emotion and then you kind of feel like and i kind of felt good afterwards because mm. like oh i didn't go through that by myself so all these other people have gone through it because you kind of can think like oh it's just me it's happening to me yeah so um i mean have you found that side of that i guess that emotional release from some of the boys talking on the show being fulfilling for them as yeah. well as i guess for you sharing it with listeners yeah 100 percent. like a lot of the guys after they've been on especially the ones who weren't planning to speak about mental health some guys are you know they're coming on to speak about it that's sort of a bit more planned but some guys just end up there and um some of those guys message after like well uh geez that Oh, I feel really good after that. Uh, thanks for letting me share all that sort of stuff. And then it's the messages that come in once it's released. Like, oh my god, I could so relate to that one. Um, it's amazing how many guys have have struggled like with their post footy or throughout their career as well. Yeah. It's not just posts; it's like injuries and things like that. Uh, it's amazing. Like so many guys um, are in that space, but as a society, we like to keep it pretty quiet and um, don't like to talk about it too yeah. much. So I feel like we're getting a lot better at it. There's so many platforms now where really um, where people are being vulnerable and speaking out like that with, mm-hmm. with their struggles, which is definitely helping and uh, making other guys more comfortable to share as well, which is having a massive influence, I think. 100%. I think shows like yourself and um, I mean, I speak a lot of, you know, a lot of my episodes are around mental health and mental fitness, mm-hmm. talking to just people because we end up just talking about it and then they, deep dive and there's been a couple that are like just drop some bombshells on and i'm like whoa man i never knew that about him yeah. or her because no, it's not shared but they feel comfortable in sharing it with you or sharing it with me or sharing it with someone else um and i think it's a really good vehicle way eh, that you've established especially for footy players i, I guess i got a soft spot for soft spot for footy players because they kind of know that culture mm. and know it sort of and the pain that you that people can go through and funny you mentioned injuries. Bro, I used to hate getting injured, bro. It was the worst, man. I'd be like a bear for sore head, man. Mm. I'd be like, nah. And I always try and come back super early. <laughs> like, nah, bro, I'm back. I'm back in two or three. No, nah, six weeks. Nah, 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 nah. I'll be back. T- and I would like rehab myself. I'd go to the physio and start like lasering my injuries and ultrasound on the highest frequency for more, more than five minutes. You know, do all that sort of shit. And oh, but the silly things that you do. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Your injuries are a big, big part. Um, that's hard. And do you think in forty that there's a um, is this from your sort of personal experience? There's enough support there for players, bro, around sort of their mental sort of fitness. And I use mental fitness more as a term than mental health because I find that mental fitness is a bit more digestible because i think it's how well you are in your mind was a reflection of how well you are physically in your body mm-hmm. so that's why you think your fitness but do you think there's enough been there's enough available um now than there was before potentially in your early days yeah there definitely is and i always felt like there was plenty of help like throughout my career but i'm um, talking to so many guys now I probably feel like there's there's not but um, it obviously depends on the struggles and then obviously there's people who are there to help and then it's going and getting that help or feeling comfortable enough to tell them that you're not you know that you're not feeling that great or you're battling and things like that so I, I don't know the answer to that to how how guys 
you can make guys comfortable or how you can help guys uh, be in the position to reach out or things like that. It's mm-hmm. still such a grey area with uh, mental fitness. I like that. Um, uh, and how and how to help people. Like, you know, I, I see some guys and I think, man, he looks like he's struggling, but I still don't really know other mm-hmm. than to say, like, mate, are, you, are you doing okay? I'm here. I'm here for you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what else to do. Uh, I'm here. If you want to talk, come have a yarn like, um, or ask some questions, but... I don't really know other than that how to help this person. So um, I think it, it is a tough one, but there's there's help there. It's just, um, yeah, how do you make them comfortable to go get it? Yeah, and I think you asking, that's that's the, the right, you know, asking just to check in and, and how they respond to that is, is up to them. But at least you've, in their mind, they'll go like, actually, Jimmy asked me. And then maybe in a week's time they'll go, hey bro, can I catch up with you? Mm. So you don't know what that may effect that may have. But I think from what a lad and what you've done and achieved, and especially the episodes I've listened to, I think a lot of a lot of people take a lot away from all those episodes. Um, even if they weren't um, code heads, mm. you know, they'll they'll take a lot away because there's lots of really um, really good um, pieces of advice from people that have been in the trenches and done the hard graft and you know being a professional athlete you know as a kid right you think oh shit bro that's gonna be awesome yeah the reality is it's, it's a tough tough gig right you trying to keep your body 100 on peak performance for as long as humanly possible so you can get as long a period in the game and stretch it out as far as you possibly can mm. right everyone wants to go through have a 20-year career or 15-year career no injuries and just nailing every opportunity Mm. Um, but it's even if you get that one percent player that does that, you, the amount of sacrifice and effort and time you've got to put in there is phenomenal, right? And I, don't, I think some people miss that point too. That a lot of the people you've spoken to, even though they might have been, you know, they had good times and been on the lagers, had a few busies and stuff like that. Bro, I bet they've worked super hard, mm-hmm. like to get that opportunity, right? Yeah, worked super hard. And I think that's the that's the stuff that people don't see, you know. Your Scott Hamiltons, your Craig Newbies, and you know, you pick Cowans. They've worked really hard to get where they've got, mm. and um, but they've tried to have, and, and they've had fun along the way. And I think that's an important piece, right? Yeah, you've got to enjoy. You've got to enjoy the social aspects and the, the time away because those are some of my best memories when I, when I played code was like it's just on the on the busies of the boys. Mm. You know, and just having giggles and laughs, you know, and just doing silly shit like, you know, nude runs around the block down in Otago, <laughs> you know, fun thing, crate day, you know. <laughs> um, but they're just they're good memories and they're good giggles in there. And, you know, I, I think that's another aspect of, of those players' lives. Um, and I guess a little bit like your transition into coaching um, and I guess your transition into your new coaching role which um, this this podcast wasn't I didn't I didn't know that James Marshall was going to become the assistant coach at the Crusaders, <laughs> but here he is. He's now the assistant coach at the Crusaders. Um, I guess a little bit how how how's that come about, and then what what will you bring to the Crusaders from your experience? Mate, my my little experience, but mate, <laughs> I, I'm like you. Like uh, even when you probably messaged me, I, I had no idea about this. This has come out of the blue. 
um, pretty quickly too. So um, I just had a phone call from Scott Robinson maybe a couple of weeks ago just asking if I was um, keen to come join the Crusaders. And, mate, it was actually a tougher decision than a lot of people would probably expect because I, I, I promised my wife that I wasn't going to keep moving around. I'd, I'd been selfish my whole rugby career. It was all about me. We are moving the family. Uh, we sort of moved every six months in our career. We had two years in London, but that was the longest spell we ever had. Everywhere else was six months max. So we moved heaps. We got the kids. Um, wasn't easy. So once uh, we got to the end of my rugby career, I was like, all right, I won't tra- chase a coaching dream. Um, but if if an opportunity comes up where we're living, well then, yeah, I'll, I'll probably coach. And that's where the Tasman opportunity came. So we decided to settle in Nelson out of Mapua and, um, yeah, started coaching with Tasman. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. This could maybe slowly burn through five or six, seven years if, if it all goes well. Um, work <laughs> yeah. my way through the Tasman grades and potentially get to the top here and, um, yeah, be in Nelson for as long as I can until the kids get through school. But obviously once Razor calls – you know, the most successful coach in Super Rugby, the most successful team in Super mm-hmm. Rugby, opportunity of probably a lifetime. Um, it was it was really hard to turn down. I actually got offered um, the Hurricanes backs job the previous year, which was also extremely hard to turn down. But the, the difference that year was that uh, my wife was due. So um, she was due yeah. with our third boy, um, around the same time I had to be up there and um, they weren't going to move. It was going to be oh, – it was just going to be too hard. I, I was working my way how I could make it work, maybe like first three days of the week, first four days of the week, and then fly back for the weekend. But uh, in the end of the day, it was the right decision. Like I, I couldn't really do it. I had my hands full. I wanted to do it as you – know, I really wanted to do it, but it just wasn't really possible. So to get this opportunity the following year or, or even two years later then um, – Family's in a position, had to convince the wife. Um, it sort of mm. only other thing was that she wasn't going to, we weren't going to move back and forth, uh, Nelson Christchurch. So if we're going down there, we were committing to living in Christchurch. And yeah, that's what we've planned. So uh, signed a two year deal with the Crusaders. And yeah, we're going to sell up here and move down to Christchurch and call Christchurch home for after the Bunnings Cup. So in November, we're going to be living in Christchurch. Wicked man, what a wicked opportunity! And um, and again, and, and in hindsight too, right? You know, the opportunity that came with the Canes, um, it probably gave you, you know, extra couple of years of sharpening your tools, mm. you know. And then, um, you know, it's sometimes the first opportunity, not the best one, the second one becomes the best opportunity. And and you're right, you know, how could you turn down opportunity to coach the, the greatest super franchise team that you ever play rugby? Um, they pretty much dominated the sport for the past twenty years. Mm. You know, a few patches here and there. Um, and coaching, like coaching at that level, I mean, coaching at Tasman, I imagine it's not. I mean, this is a step up. So, I mean, you're talking that's a full time coaching job of the Crusaders, which would see you on the tools five days, maybe six days a week. Oh, <laughs> how's it operated that coaching? Mate, and it's it's the same at Tasman. To be honest, it's it's full on. Once you're into the season, um, mm. you're you're pretty much seven days a week. Uh, it doesn't really 
can't really switch off. There's always games or trainings or stuff to review, clips to be sending out. Um, it is it is full noise. So um, I, I haven't played. I haven't done it at Super Rugby level, but from what I'm hearing, it's not too dissimilar. It's just obviously you're working with uh, you know the cream of the crop and um, mm-hmm. you've probably got a li- bit more high budget um, and things are a little bit more professional, but. Um, yeah, you know, even in Tasman, mate, the setup here is pretty, pretty impressive. And it's the first thing I noticed when I came mm. down was like how, how professional it was. I don't think there'd be too many provincial teams that have a setup like they run here. It's um, it's very Crusader esque. It's been modelled from the Crusader model. Obviously, Andrew Goodman and those guys have been back and forth the last few years and um, pretty much tried to replicate the success they have down there here. I think and. Um, yeah, mate. Coaching it is a it is a flat out gig. So um, podcasts are going to be hard to come by for me over the next yeah. uh, what is it twelve weeks or whatever it is the season. And then um, once we get into Super Rugby, I think they'll be almost non-existent while we're in season. But I'm hoping to sort of go something like a six month on, six month off um, over the next couple of years, which would be quite cool. Um, keep it quite fresh and um, yeah. Both both things will keep me pretty busy, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm assuming that um, for twelve weeks you down and crush it. I'm sure there's going to be um, a ton of film documents being sent to your place in Nelson to review beforehand. So there'll be lots of homework, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Homework never stops, eh? <laughs> <laughs> never stops, mate. And um, so two years down in Christchurch. I mean, who knows where that leads in regards to your own coaching career mm. um, and what that may become of it. So you're definitely on the right path and and um, and pushing forward in your coaching career. Oh, oh, I can't wait to see it and see you in action, mate, see what you do for the Crusaders. See if you change up some of their line patterns, some of their attack structure. <laughs> um, but you're right, you know, working with quality players, it's just at that level, right, it's going to, it's going to make, you know, it's going to be exciting. Exciting to work with that, that, that type of calibre of player. Even though Tasman has half the Crusaders team, so you're already working with half the Crusaders, right? right half of them in the All Blacks, though, so that's the thing. So we, <laughs> well, I think we're missing about eight All Blacks at the moment, which is, is pretty pretty tough for um, a provincial side. But, um, yeah, like you say, that Crusader back line, like, probably couldn't choose a more dangerous, powerful backline in the world um, to, to work with. So, mate, really excited to work with some of these guys. A lot of them are the best in the world in their position and or right up there. So, yeah, it's exciting, mate. Um, I sort of spoke to them around what's what's expected, uh, especially around with Razor and stuff. But um, you talk about changing the game plans and stuff, but I think a lot of it's already um, there. They've, they've obviously got a pretty good systems and structures in there so it's just trying to find one or two little things that might make a big difference in in these games because games are won by pretty small margins and it is only little things that can make a difference so yeah I won't be going there to try and uh, change the game and turn them into the hurricanes I'll be trying to just you know find (laughs) one or two little things that might make that difference yeah man brilliant but look forward to it and yeah again exciting opportunity one that doesn't come around a lot for a lot of people and you know you're young, you know a young man too so you can really hone your craft beautifully down there and and, and um and crusaders and then um and go from there well um anyway i guess any final words from you brother any sort of wisdom pieces to pass on to <laughs> potentially young players coming through the ranks or 
maybe any, just people out there that, um, you know, that may be, you know, struggling um, to sort of show their vulnerability. Any, any sound bites from you, my man? Oh, mate, it's always a tough one. I, I ask my guests every every time I go on the podcast this question, so there's instantly like 150-something advices that I've heard in the past that I can relate to. But um, I thought I think I sort of – the one I sort of mentioned at the start around um, doing what you love and or wanting to – like if you want to be a professional rugby player, then you're way more likely to get there than um, if you don't. So – uh, think about what you want to do uh, in your life. Might be rugby, might be something completely different, and then chase that because then you'll work so much harder to achieve it if you if you really want to mm. be that. So I even found that with the podcast, like um, it was my own little thing, and man, I was putting in some massive hours. My wife was sort of like, "What? Why are you spending so much time on this? You're not even getting paid yet." And I was like, <laughs> "It was just like my little passion project. I was just because it was mine. I, I felt like it was something I wanted to do. My name was attached to it, and." Mate, I was spent, you know, I hadn't watched TV for like two years, uh, like, you know, at night time where I used to, you know, sit, uh, once I got the kids down, you know, sit on the couch, watch some TV or something, watch a movie. But last couple of years, it's been, you know, get the kids down straight out, start editing or <laughs> recording yeah, or prepping yeah. or clipping or all these little things. And, you know, it's, it's just because I loved it. Like it was something I was passionate about and I wanted to do it. So I think that's a massive one. And, um, sort of helps with your happiness in life if you're doing something you love. Um, I know it can be a grind and not you're not going to love it all the time, but if you're loving it more often than not, then I think that's a win. And, yeah, just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride because um, no matter what it is, like whole, your whole life really, eh, it's uh, it's the whole journey. Enjoy the ups, enjoy, enjoy the downs and um, be grateful for what you've got because um, there's, there's always someone out there who has – doesn't have what you have or has it a lot worse. So um, there are a couple of things that really stood out for me from my podcast, what I've heard and uh, my own life as well. No, brilliant, man. Thanks for that. I think that's a really important piece there. Um, great way to finish it off and share some of the, that, that wisdom there with us. So, um, you know, really appreciate you coming on the show and, and having a chat and really look forward to seeing your, your coaching career blossom and grow down the Crusaders. And congratulations on the opportunity. I mean, that's huge. It's massive. And um, also seeing the growth in Waterlad and see what happens, even though it goes on sabbatical for six months. Um, <laughs> it'll come back absolutely hissing in that second six months, won't it? It'll be full of energy. Hopefully um, people remember it and they're hanging out for it and not just <laughs> forgotten. Yeah. You know, it was one of the first things I was told, like make sure you're really consistent. So like my whole the whole time I've been every Monday, sometimes it was Fridays as well, but every yeah. single Monday I'll release an episode and, um, once you once you stop doing that, uh, you, I think uh, it does have a big dip. But hoping I can build up the six month break with enough energy and momentum to get people back on board. But yeah, hopefully. I'm sure you. I'm sure you will, man. I'm sure you will. And I and, and appreciate you and, and what you're doing on your podcast and 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 sharing the stories from um, the many people that you've had on and um, you know really sort of. Real strong stories, organic, but um, some of them pretty emotional. And I think that's um, a, a massive part. And I think, you know, really kudos to you for playing a part around, you know, mental fitness and helping some of these boys to sort of share some of those backstories that they're potentially holding on to. And mm-hmm. maybe it's given them a bit of freedom and release them, a bit of weight off their shoulders. So um, much respect to you for doing that, brother. So um, that's us with James Marshall, man, all the way down in Nelson, the curator behind um, the Waterlad podcast. 
who will be on sabbatical for about six months as he takes up a new gig down at the Crusaders as assistant coach. So um, really appreciate you coming on board, brother, and sharing some of your insights, your stories, um, and um, what what a lad is all about. And then um, really nice to bloody meet you finally, even if it is over Zoom, yeah. instead of just uh, a few words on things. But um, much love, appreciate you, brother. So um, no, thanks for having me on.